What is up, everybody? It's your boy, TJ Drees Drake, up in the building, and today is Friday, and since NC State was probably the sort of game that Max and I kind of circle as our toughest game of the year, we have two New Year's this week, as you listened to a lot. Yesterday was Evan from the Red and White podcast, and today we have Mr. Kenton Gibbs from Locked on Wolfpack, and Kenton, we're excited to have you here, so hopefully, you know, we can educate the people and also talk about your year, because you played at NC State, so I'm actually very excited to hear a little bit more about that, but I'm not going to hold any further, folks. Let's go on with the show. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. It's your boy, Drake, and I am joined by Mr. Kenton Gibbs, a.k.a. T- at TGIF Kenton on Twitter from Locked On Wolfpack. Kenton, what's up, my guy? Oh, it's always great to be here, man. It's, it's, it really is. Um, there are a lot of hosts for a lot of Locked On shows, and I think that there are varying skill levels, just like with anything that's this big. And, and you're a top-notch guy, so it's always always uh, great to be on with other top-notch folks. Oh, uh, man, listen, that, that you know, that warms my heart. As you know, like, Kenton actually is on the Monday version for the Lockdown ACC with Candace Cooper, along with Tyler Rocky, myself, AJ Black, and J.D. Jackson. And he brings a really good NC State perspective, but also he brings a unique perspective that Kenton actually played at NC State. Kenton, you want to tell, tell the folks a little more about that? Oh, yeah, I played from 2013 to 2016, where I was forced into an early retirement uh, due to some injuries, you know, I got the heart of a warrior, but the tendons of an 80 year old woman. Um, I tore my bicep and both of my Achilles all at three different times, of course. But yeah, that that pretty much uh, sent me into an early retirement. But it's it's crazy seeing how things have turned out, because when I played at NC State, I couldn't imagine a, a time where like not only was it like, oh, yeah, we're going to be favorites against Florida State, but it's like. If we lose to Florida State, our fan base is gonna go nuts. They're gonna be they're gonna be jumping down Doris' throat in a way that who we have not seen in quite some time. So then let me just go kick things off right there. Then with that, when you were there, what was like the expectation when you went up against a Florida State? Because it's kind of been some of the more it's like a it's not a rivalry per se, but we always you know play like either our worst and you always play your best when we either come up you know to North Carolina or come down. So I kind of want to know your take on that as a pl- former player. Please, please don't ask me about the expectations against Florida State when I was there. I just told you I was there from 2013 <laughs> when y'all won that national championship. And you're going to ask me what the expectation was. The expectation, I'll, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this. The the expectation was um, Florida State is so dominant, their starters are not used to playing the entire game. So if we can force them into playing a complete 60 minutes We'll be in good territory because we're used to it. They're not. Um, and a very funny story about that. My true freshman year, it was Doran's first year there as well. We were not able to force Florida State to play full 60 minutes. What do I mean by that? Well, I'll tell you this much. I tore my Achilles in, at the toward the end of camp my freshman year. Um, so I was on a little scooter and I was uh, I was going to take a shower before the game kicked off. Uh, I literally watched the game get kicked off and scoot my way from the my bedroom in college into the bathroom. So that's about five steps, more or less. Uh, I get in the shower, 
And you know, when you got a shower with your leg hanging out of the shower, it's going to take a little bit more time, but I still got the job done. I hit all the hot spots. As a big man, you got to, you know, you got to get in there. If not, you know, you're going to be a funky monkey for the rest of the day and nobody wants to smell it. So I get out of the shower and we're not even out of the first quarter yet. And Florida State's already leading 35 to zip. And um, I I know the Florida State's had some great teams. I know they've had some national championship teams. I know they had some great players, you know, the Deion Sanders of the world and, and Ward Dunn's and all that of the world. I get it. I understand. But that team that y'all had that year was so loaded. The team the year after that, they ended up losing to Oregon in the playoff and yet and still had less losses or, no, the same amount of losses as Oregon after the game. So – those Florida State teams were just, they were just mammoths. And, and another funny story about that is when we were watching film, uh, that defensive backfield was loaded, right? You got Darby, you got Williams, you got Joyner, you got Ramsey. Coach Doran looks at that team and says, Ramsey's the, the weak point. His his technique is terrible. We can attack him and go at him. And immediately I realized, yep, we're in trouble. We're just, <laughs> little did I know. I did not know what Jalen Ramsey was going to turn out to be. I knew he was going to be good. But remember, his last year in college, I don't think he had a single interception or he might have had one. So I knew he was going to be good. I knew he was a good tackler. I knew he was always where he had to be. But I didn't know he was going to be this good. And I just – I knew even there, like, um, if that Ramsey kid is their weak spot, they might not have a weak spot. Since you were there for 2013, which was Dave Doran's year, I kind of want to ask you, what have you seen, I guess, for the evolution of his coaching, you know, from year one to what you see now? Because y'all are having probably the best year you guys have had in a very long time. Yeah, it, it's it's not – I'll tell you this, right? A lot of former players are not brave enough to admit this. It's not about your X's and your O's. It's about your Larry's and your Joe's. Um, he's gotten much better, a, a much better quality of player, guys who are more bought into the system. And and this is not to take shots at any of my former teammates, but I remember when I was there, there was like this divide in the locker room about like, oh, I'm a Tom O'Brien recruit and I'm a, a Dave Doran recruit. And it was like, I always thought that was stupid because at the end of the day, I'm like, nobody is going to tally up the score. Florida State, 25. Dorn recruits, 15. Uh, T.O.B. recruits, 20. Like, at the end of the day, it's going to be Wolfpack. It's going to be Seminoles. It's going to be Wolfpack. It's going to be uh, Bulldogs. It's going to be Wolfpack. It's going to be Tigers. But, you know, it, that was what was happening. And when you get to year nine, you're not dealing with that anymore. You, you're not worrying about – People feeling like, oh, this coach don't like me because I'm not his guy or whatever the case may be. You don't get those same things anymore. Is that that big of a problem? Because like that's one thing that we actually we discuss now actually at FSU. We're not only having the divide between Tiger players and Novell's kids, but also you still have some holdovers from Jimbo's former staff or Jimbo's former regime. There, do you, is that something that actually is like prevalent across all college football, or is it just specifically depends on, depends on the situation? It it really depends on the situation, and I say that because um, winning is love in football. Winning is love and sport. And what do I mean by that? When people talk about love, especially um, from like a, it I don't, doesn't matter whether you're religious or not watching this or listening to it, but they say love covers over a multitude of sins. It does the same thing in sports. If you win, you've covered over a multitude of things. Nobody cares whose recruit you are if you're undefeated. Nobody cares. But when you're the one in five and the quarterback is from a new coach, and the 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 cornerback that keeps getting whooped is from the old coach. And the safety, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. then it becomes like, oh, see those Tiger recruits, they can't do. Oh, see those those Jimbo recruits. See, Jimbo was mailing it in when he left. Oh, these Norvell guys they ain't got no heart. And that's that's what it becomes. 
Before we go over to offensive defense, you know, I will be remiss if we discuss our sponsor, our beloved sponsor. Today's episode actually is brought to you by McDonald's. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving community since 1965. And folks, I've talked about it. Max talked about it. Dave's talked about it. McDonald's probably one of the big staples of our lives. I went after every single Lily baseball game, went immediately to McDonald's, got myself a McDouble, got myself a chicken. And as you can tell by the video you're watching right now, got myself a McFlurry as well. So head over to McDonald's right now to refuel and reconnect. And folks, there'll be a, a lockdown symbols watch party there. You might see me and Max there for the state game. You might see Kenton at the, the rally location, wherever he may be right now. But listen, head over to McDonald's right now because I'm loving it. Max is loving it. Ken's loving it. And Holly and Stacy are loving it as well. And we are back with Ken Gibbs of Lockdown Wolfpack. And Ken, now let's move over from Ken the player to Canada, the analyst. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you specifically, what has been the difference maker for his anti-state team this year? I know Devin Leary has improved every single year, statistically wise. And last year he was injured. You guys had the man, Bailey Hawkman, who <laughs> is now retired from football. So what has, how has Devin Leary, I guess, you know, had, how has he been able to excel your team to a new level? So first of all, I never miss up an opportunity to tell everybody I told you so. So with Devin Leary, I, I told everybody and their mama, I said, if you parse his stats out over a full season, and it wasn't just because he played against bad defense. Virginia Tech had a very good defense last season at Spurts, and they were good against NC State, and he bought out against them. So let's start there. But anywho, uh, what has Devin Leary done for this offense? Number one, his arm is much, much better than Bailey Hockman's. Number two, his decision-making is, for a college quarterback, I'd say elite. Uh, college quarterbacks often have a tendency to like to fit, think to themselves, my arm can do everything. Devin Leary is not that way. He's he's not the guy that just thinks like, oh, yeah, 60 yards into the wind, triple coverage. Mm, a Mecca's down there somewhere. He's not that guy. He's not going to put your team in bad positions. That's a big part of what NC State has done well. But also, I think the other part of what NC State has done well, the depth at our linebacking core, which has thinned out significantly, which in essence, is no longer there to an extent. It was absolutely amazing to see, to start to see. At the end of the day, you had a situation where you had an All-American in Peyton Wilson, All-Conference guy in Isaiah Moore, All-Conference guy in Drake Thomas, and all of those guys fully bought in and committed to stopping the run. The defensive line fully bought in and committed to stopping the run, and it still manifested itself even without some of those players, even without Moore and Wilson, a guy that um, when I discussed with when I discussed his talent with draft evaluators on Locked On Wolfpack, everybody said he's a first rounder, but we just got to see if he can stay healthy, which he hasn't done. Of course, he's out for mm-hmm. the year, but everybody knows when when Peyton Wilson is on the field, when he's rolling, he's a first round talent. So to see that this team has still continued on and stopping the run without him, impressive. So it is impressive that you guys actually are very you know, good at stopping the run. One of the questions that I have, and we had Evan from Ren and White on yesterday discussing the lack of explosion due to the, with the running backs, especially with Bam Knight. Bam Knight was probably one of the kids that you know I saw was like one of the, the best running backs in the ACC last year, not for Travis Etienne. So could you, I guess, like explain like, you know, your own thoughts on what actually is behind sort of the, not lackluster, but like not meeting the expectations when it comes to you know, Bam Knight or Ricky Pearson? Well, the, the fact of the matter there is I think we're not creative enough. Uh, I think we're not creative enough in the run game. I think that we run entirely too much zone. And don't get me wrong. I understand that this is going to be a zone-heavy scheme, and that's what it's based off of. But at some point in time, if teams are realizing 
the way that you beat the zone is to get upfield because it makes the running back stop their feet. It makes them have to be a one cut back. And in, in an ideal situation for zone running, you give the running back a clean front side to where they can decide where they want to go. Or worst case scenario, you give them a crease off the backside to where everybody's moving in the same direction and you cut it back and roll. But when you get penetration, when you reset the line of scrimmage, what happens is the running back has to stop his feet and hope that somebody on the backside is not in their gap, not doing what they got to do. The defensive end on the backside has a squoze down properly or the tight end has kicked them out. Because if that doesn't happen, then you're, you're SOL, which our run game has been to a certain degree in a lot of games. And so I think we need to get more creative. And it, it sounds crazy to say because we're in the year 2021. But for Christ's sake, run a power, run a counter, run something where you are getting the defense to flow with where your zone would normally be. Bring some big 300-pound hog mollies, bring a H back, bring a tight end in front of Ricky, bring him in front of uh in front of Bam and let him go. Let him figure something out. Do you think this is a product more of something that's been uh, like festering for a few years, or is it something recently for this year, or is it also a product of like kind of the emergence of Devin Leary who from what I saw earlier today was I think he's the one of the only QBs I think for the past like what five years has like mm-hmm. twenty one touchdowns with like what two interceptions and those two yeah. picks were each in the first two games. So where do you think that actually that lack of creativity comes from? I mean, I, it's it's partly what you're saying, right? Like like Bane told Batman, you have been weakened by your success, and the they've been weakened by the success of running behind Big Ick. Ikemakwanu is one of the most feared offensive linemen in the nation. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But we have run behind him so successfully that we feel like that's a game plan now. Like, just run it behind Ick. Well, what play are we running behind Ick? Just, just run it behind Ick. I don't care what play you run. But here's the problem with that. One man, especially one offensive lineman, you can only block one, two players max, three players if you're just a phenomenal world beater. Congratulations, you beat, you've blocked three players, but even then, you're going to have to have an extended play. So if we're looking at a zone play, and teams know wherever Ick is, that's where the ball is going, and he's the left tackle, so he's always going to be lined up on the left. If teams know NC State wants to run it to the left, all they have to do is load up the left side. When you would normally have to play guys a little deeper to say, you know what, Devin Leary's been killing us deep. We've got to have a uh, too, too deep look. You can say, you know what, I think that it's worth the trade-off to bring down our safety as an overhang on the left side and make them run to the right. Or maybe they'll run into our overhang anyway, which NC State has been doing a lot. We've been running into loaded boxes to the left side a lot because that's where our success is. And it's just like, I get it. That's where you had success. That's where one of your best players is. Sure, fine. Here's the problem. If I know it and the announcers on on the TV, because literally every game the announcers have said, yeah, NC State wants to run the ball to the left. Well, if the announcers know it, how much you think Florida State's defensive uh, coordinator is getting paid? How much you think Louisville's defensive coordinator is getting paid? High six figures to 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 stop what you're going to do. And if I know it, and I, I don't get paid nothing but a couple hundred bucks from Locked On, and <laughs> and the analyst knows it, and they're getting paid forty or $50,000 a year from the ACC, what do you think the $600,000 a year man is trying to do to stop your offense? I don't know, man. I mean, we didn't run prevent against Jacksonville State, but that's just neither here nor there. But hey, listen, 
Ooh, yeah, don't give me. I'm the I'm the one guy that yeah, that's Adam Fuller has been dead to me. I think since then. Then, but one, Ross, thank you for paying us to do this. We love you, by the way. Hopefully, everything's good with you. Uh, two, then. So, what are you expecting? I think actually for then for NC State's offense to like because we have a top defensive line, a top rush defense actually in the country. How do you expect that NC State actually going to capitalize? Maybe go around that, or how do you think? How what would you do if you were scheming something up uh, for NC State? Well, first of all, like I said, we need more uh, more base base blocking plays we need more power we need more counter we need more traps we need more because at the end of the day if i trap a defensive lineman twice i'm a former defensive lineman i know what it feels like to get trapped you're running upfield thinking you free and good and then one of those big hog mollies come and smack you in the eardrum all of a sudden anytime you start going upfield you know what's going on now and if i make you hesitate in going up the field now I got some leverage in my zone running game. I, I've, I've hit you with the thing that you weren't expecting so I can run what I really wanted to run the whole time. So that's that's a, a, a way to do it. But also, I mean, I think the Florida State and NC State have a lot of the same problems, which you alluded to against Jacksonville State as well, the secondary, the secondary. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, the old school way of thinking about football is you run to set up the pass, Right. You run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action, right? That's what those old Michigan teams with Lloyd Carr used to do, and they were great at it. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action. We're looking at a new age. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, I think, are the greatest example of that. And I hate to have to use the Packers as an example because everybody knows I'm a lifelong Lions fan. But the fact that – hey, listen, listen. We're not going (laughs) to talk about them right now. It's a rebuild, okay? But anywho – um, that we're, we're Aaron Rodgers and the Packers run the ball so well. Why Aaron Jones is a good back. No doubt about it, but they run to, I mean, they pass to set up the run by the time that they really get the hand in that thing off and running, they've already set you up. You already have the thought in your mind of, Hey, that man, twelve. we can't let him be this, that Rogers guy. We can't. So we have to do the same thing with Devin Leary. It doesn't matter if people are thinking, well, Devin Leary going to try to take us deep early. Good. Stop it. I dare you try it. And we're gonna then we're gonna run the ball. So pass the set to run is is my anecdote for uh, that. I could see that because like Devin Leary, I think has been like deadly accurate when it comes to everything. Like he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I kind of said the like on our episode the other day where he just simply doesn't up. He doesn't like ever ever make those big mistakes. And if oh my god, you got a sensor button? I love. Yeah. Oh yeah. I need one of those. Oh man, it gets a lot of it gets a lot of practice, and Max is not a fan of it. But but no, like like I'm saying, we're like it's. It's really nice to have a QB like that and supplemented by a Bam Nine and a Ricky Pearson. Where and that, that's where we see like Jordan Travis slowly but surely might, might might be that guy because he is dynamic with his legs. He does have a he has a mm-hmm. great he's a cannon of an arm. So he works on his accuracy a little bit. Like to me, I think he could be a very special player. Where at the beginning of the year, if you ask me that, I'm like, nope. I want Mackenzie Milton to start over him. I want Terry Purdy start over him. But right. he has probably t- t- proved me wrong and t- changed my mind about him since that day. But before we, you know. I got to ask you another question regarding, you know, your team as a whole. But before I do that, I'll be remiss if we can talk about our friends over at BetOnline.ag. Ken, you're, are you a gambling man? No, sir. I am not. Well, if you were, I would recommend going to BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to get all your latest sports action. NBA has just started. MLB just ended. Congrats to Heath McCall's uh, team, even though I'm not going to say the Braves name on this podcast. It's the Braves. I can't stand them. But best of luck. So from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, get all your latest sports action. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Sign up today and renew, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code 
Locked On. That's L- Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bail line where the game starts. And once you're done with over there, head on over to BuiltBar.com. Folks, as you know, I got a wedding coming up in a month and a half, and your boy is getting a little portly around the waist, so got to cut those carbs, cut that food, so you know your boy has been hanging over to BuiltBar.com. Built Bar has 19 delicious flavors. They don't only have protein bars. They got the birthday cake. My favorite personal favorite flavor is the Cherry Barcia. Max is a peanut butter brownie guy. Dave is a salted caramel guy. Ken, you got, you got a favorite flavor? Um, The Grasshopper Mint. Grasshopper Mint is fire. Oh, yeah. I, they need to bring those back, man. I wish they had more flavors. Right? There, right? It, it, it actually is it's really good. damn good. I'm not even going to lie to you. But, folks, head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Once again, the promo code is LOCKED15. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. LOCKED15 at Built.com. Folks. We're hitting the home stretch, and one of the big things with NC State, as I am with Mr. Kenton Gibbs of Locked on Wolfpack, is I don't know what to make of this team. And I say that because I know your team is very well sound, well, good defensively, good offensively. Sorry, good offensively and good defensively. It's been a long day, folks. And the one thing I don't understand is these games that you have your losses in, yeah. whether it be the week two against Mississippi State where your offense simply didn't show up, and then two weeks ago against Miami, against a Tyler Van Dyke that you and I and Kansas and everybody on the ACC were kind of like laughing at a little bit because he was talking lost, lost Mac, and he backed it up. So could you explain actually what went wrong in those losses and maybe to see what should Norvell take from those losses to hopefully win on Saturday? So I'll tell you this. I have said this, and, and I, I've said this multiple times. I've talked about it at nauseum, and I'll say it again. NC State has two losses. They haven't been beaten once. NC State has two losses and has not been beaten once. NC State has beaten themselves badly in both of those games. And that is from the top down. This is not just a player issue, right? If we're looking at the Mississippi State game, we have two of the best backs in the nation and a left tackle that people are terrified of. Why are we running a jump pass on the one-yard line? And then you go forward to Florida State and you say, why are we running a reverse when we finally got momentum and we're looking like we're about to take the lead when we have not run a successful trick play all year? Literally, we have not run one trick play offensively, unless you count the Trent Penix fake punt. But even then, I don't count that as an offensive trick play. I count that as a special teams trick play. So if we're looking at our offensive trick plays for the season, we have one interception, one pass in the triple coverage, uh, one reverse that went for no yards, and I want to say there was another one somewhere. Oh, a double reverse throwback pass that resulted in Devin Leary being a strip, getting a strip sack fumble against Clemson when we were looking like we were poised to put that game to bed. So, NC State has lost two games; they have not been beat once. What I, when I am going forward with that, if I am Norvell, I am hoping that this is one of the weeks where they beat themselves. Because let's be honest, sometimes teams do things that are like if you were playing Duke last year, Chase Bryce was going to turn the ball over. It didn't matter what you did. It didn't matter how out of position you were. He was going to find a way. Exactly. He was going to find a way to find one of your jerseys and give him the ball. So you would hope that that happens at some point in time in the game. Uh, But hoping that we beat ourselves is is the first thing I'd be hoping for. Second, um, establishing the run early. At the end of the day, this NC State defense has been phenomenal against the run. You cannot beat this team uh, on the ground, but 
out wide, I have not seen Florida State show a propensity or ability to beat teams with their receiving core, with their pass catchers. I haven't seen it. So in order to beat this team, you're going to have to beat their strength, which is their strength going up against your strength is, is the irresistible force and immovable object. Who's going to take the win, the matchup? Because if you're telling me, oh, I need Travis and Cole to win out wide, I'm not sure that that's your avenue to a win. And is that primarily because that you like? Well, you said I mean, you said you don't have any faith in our wide receiver and core at all. But also, like, isn't the one weakness I said earlier in the show that your secondary is the one thing that kind of like, you know gives you a little bit of pause, especially because now Jordan Travis every single week has developed as a passer. Absolutely, absolutely. And I I talk about Jordan Travis from a standpoint, and, and let me say this right because I've learned uh, in in doing these things for Locked On that if you say something bad about somebody, they act like you've said that they're terrible, and you're gonna slap them and their mama to sleep if you see them in public. I'm not saying that Jordan Travis is a bad quarterback. What I am saying is if you're telling that team, I'm going to shut down your run, I'm going to need you to throw against two high safeties. Everybody knows the pass is coming. What are you going to do about it? I don't have faith in that. I don't. I don't. They they need to at least run the ball well enough to where the run is a threat. That running back number zero that y'all got? Corbin. Ooh. Corbin is a bad man. He's a bad man with that ball in his hands. He's after, mm-hmm. what, seven yards of carry or something crazy like that? 1.4, yep. He is a bad man. If he can't get going, it is going to be a long day in Tallahassee. And so you're not worried about, you know, I know he's early. You lost Peyton Wilson. You lost Isaiah mm-hmm. Moore. I know you got little Thayer Thomas, Drake Thomas' little brother playing linebacker. <laughs> Like, so you're not worried about maybe Jordan Travis, you know, getting in space, you know, when eventually, you know, he the pocket collapses, he goes out left, he goes out right. You're not worried about that all whatsoever? I, I would be worried if I didn't see them play against an improved version of the running game against Louisville. Malik Cunningham, to me, is as dynamic of a runner as we've seen out of a quarterback in ACC since the last guy at Louisville that we all remember was pretty oh, yeah. good. Like that, that Lamar kid was all right. Turns out Bill Polian was wrong about him being a receiver. But with that being said, I I really think that Malik Cunningham is one of the most dynamic weapons that we've seen out of ACC in so long. And so to see the defense stop him, thud him up, put some hat on him, and, and kind of make him tentative about running, I have no doubt about any quarterback at this point. Now, again, we have not seen a single ball carrier all year that runs that ball like Corbett. I'll tell you that right now. I'll give you that right now. We have not seen it. We have it. But if we can stop Corbin, I'm not really like Travis is a very good runner. I'm not worried about him in the same way that I am Corbin because Corbin is he's even he's leaving speed. He's he's strike up the band, play the baby, pack in the mail. He's gone. If you give him the slightest crease. Okay, so that actually goes right next to my next question, because you said one of you guys, your players to watch for, you know, on your sideline is Jason Corbin who I've been a fan of. Max has been on that train since he got here from Texas A&M last year as a transfer. Who should be a player on NC State's defense that we need to really be looking out for? Ooh, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, the obvious one is Drake Thomas. That's the obvious one. Uh, we all know young Draco, is, he's always around the ball. You cannot stop. You cannot stop that. That is something that's going to be there. But I think that a key to us winning this game and a, a key to us um, having – a good game this game. I want to say, and I hate to say this because we're playing Florida State, but Durden and Van, Durden and Van are two guys. They kind of set the perimeter and set the edge, or I guess Durden and Vi Jones. I'll say Durden and Vi Jones. They set the edge of our defense. 
a lot of times. Yep. And um, so if if those guys can do a good job of set edge, because don't get me wrong, Corbin is good up the left, up the right, up the middle, wherever he wants to go, Corbin is good. But the explosive speed is even more dangerous when you fail to set an edge. When you give a great runner a soft edge, whoo, whoo wee, it's, it's going to be tough for you. And Corbin is a guy who can run well through contact, but that's not where you want him if you're an offensive coordinator. If you're an offensive coordinator, you want to get him in space and let him be the Maserati that he is. But um, if we can set an edge with Vi Jones and, and, and Corey Durden, I think we'll be fine. I'll give Corbin more like Lambo. I think he's a little guy a little more finesse than Maserati, in my personal opinion. But I mean, you know, Maserati's resale value goes right out the window after like three days. It's oh, like I you know. bought it for one hundred twenty thousand dollars, and they're like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you forty k for it, bro." <laughs> I've had it for a week. Yeah, you said a week. I thought it was two days. Let me take it down to thirty five k. Ken, thank you so much for joining us today. But before I let you go, I always ask everybody this when I'm, you know, I'm the one doing the game preview. I want to know what's your prediction for this game and also what does FSU need to do to actually win this game? So here's the thing, right? Florida State, I think, doesn't have um, – see, and I don't want to say this because every time I say this, NC State finds a way to blow it. Oh, it's, it's, say, say it, say it. I, I, I don't see a world where Florida State dominates this game. I don't see that happen. But what I can see happening uh, is Florida State pull off a close win if we let them hang around. But I doubt that that happens. I mean, no offense. I, I think that that number one recruit that y'all got at corner, is it Travis Hunter? Is that his, that his name? Yeah, the one right now for 2022, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a bad man. Wherever he goes, he, if he sticks with y'all, y'all just got – y'all defensive backfield just got upgraded immensely. But I think what y'all have right now in the defensive backfield, I think that Leary and Emeka Mezzi and Devin Carter and Thayer Thomas and Porter Rooks are going to find a way to have – and C.J. Riley, let me not forget him as well, uh, Trent Pennis. They're going to have some success. And I think that we're at the point in the season where our offensive coordinator, Tim Beck, has figured out, you know what? We no longer are a team who can run it to set up the pass. We got to do it the opposite way, and that's okay. So I think NC State wins this game – um, and I think our defense shows up big time as well. So I'm looking at 28-17. Really? Yeah. Uh, mm, this is the one game that Ma my co-host Max and I have been very hard to pick on. We, I want to say a few weeks ago, we're like, we don't think we're going to win this game at all. This actually, We thought this was going to be the hardest game remaining on our schedule, including Clemson and also including Florida as well, because I don't think Florida is particularly that good, especially with Emory Jones at quarterback. And then AR-15 did not look that good at all against Georgia, but no one does. Mm -hmm. And then Clemson just DJ looks like Tosh Boyd, but like a bad version of Tosh Boyd, which yeah. actually you were saying as well earlier on in the year. But after your game against Miami, I personally think we have a better stable of backs actually with a Corbin, with a Trayshawn Ward, also with DJ Williams not fully healthy. And Jordan Travis, he may, I don't think he needs to throw the ball as often as you know you were you know predicating on. So I see as being a, a low scoring game too. It's going to be an ugly game. It's not going to be a fun game to watch. I have it 20, 24 ourselves. Mm. Mm. Okay, I I'll tell you this. Like I said, I after the uh, after the Miami game, I no longer use the phrase. I don't see a world where this team or NC State rolls because it, you know you know what they say. If you pat them on the hand, you pull back. I mean, if you pat them on the butt, you pull back a handful of crap. Meaning you can't certain people you just can't compliment. NC State is one of those teams. I I think that um, if they show up and do what they need to do, we'll be fine. Um, I think that man for man, 
we have the better team, but we've shown the we've shown the ability to piss down our leg in a way that that would make pretty much any toddler jealous. So, all right, Coach Thirty with piss down your leg. But Ken, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, my guy. Please tell people where they can follow you at, and folks, I highly recommend listening to the podcast for getting ready for the week. So, Ken, where should everyone follow you at? Let me start here. Coach Thirty got pissed down your leg from me, not the other way around. Okay. But anywho, uh, they can find me on Twitter at TGIF underscore, underscore Kenton. You'll get Kenton the man there, not Ken the sports analyst. So you'll see things outside of sports there. Um, for my my sports things, you can find me at LO underscore Wolfpack on Twitter. Wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, you can find me um, at Locked On Wolfpack. And uh, that is, that's pretty much it. You can also find me at Facts Over Acts wherever you get your podcast as well. And folks, thank you so much for the love and support. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, like, share, or subscribe either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from. Also, as you can see, we are now on YouTube. So hit the like button, hit the subscribe, and ding the little bell so whenever we drop new content, you'll be the first to know. So for myself, Drake, that was Ken from Locked on Wolfpack. For Max, Dave, Holly, Stacy, we'll see you all Monday on Locked on Samuels, baby. <laughs>